With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl welcome in it's the pff nfl podcast on a wednesday sam yeah steve pelzola here with sam monson we're live on youtube and we're on your podcast listening device bonus show so yeah it's a bonus show but do we have to introduce it every week as a bonus show? Because it's now becoming it's a, it's becoming I mean, a regular show. Not every week, but I think you should probably introduce it up front as something something new, bonus like. All right, it's a bonus show. We've we're, been normally doing a Monday review show mm-hmm. and a Thursday preview show. Now we're just going to have the Wednesday free for all. We felt trapped. We felt constrained. So it's we so needed so much more to say. We need to break out into a third show. We only had an hour and 45 minutes Monday. I know. To recap it's just not enough time for us to get everything out of our brains it, it, towards people. We have so much to say, and our millions and millions of listeners have so much and to not, listen to. Not nearly enough time to say it, so we get this bonus show. Which, so we're going to be trying out a few different things on this, right? Yeah. We're going to have a few regular segments, unlike our usual Monday and uh, Thursday shows. We're also, at some point, going to be changing... The audio, the uh, the way we record this thing, right? At the yeah. moment, we use these giant headsets, proper yeah. like fancy audio style, like podcast, like real podcast people. Yeah, um, we're going to be trying out going to the the little lapel mics and the full in ear, you know, feedback loop deal. Hmm. Yeah, and seeing how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what happens with big podcasts. I think if you follow podcasts through the years, you just see the audio equipment change. Right. They go from big and clunky to, you know, then they start, you know, they get like really cool mics mm-hmm. and then, you know, we should have really cool mics, even if they don't work. Yeah. We should have cool mics, like maybe with like our faces on them or something, just sitting in front of us acting, but they don't need to be right. plugged in or anything. Those giant ones are like suspend from the ceiling and winch out in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do something like that. Okay. But yeah, I think a good podcast, you see the audio evolve. I feel like yeah. this is a big step for us. So anyway, we're going to be trying that, seeing how that goes. So you're going to have to let us know, yeah, let in, us know in the comments the or the feedback, is. whether the audio changes. We're not... so. What we're interested in is does it get worse? We don't really care if it sounds different, if it's yeah. not bad, right? Because I'm I'm assuming there will be some change in what it sounds like between these headsets and yeah, we need the feedback, right? And the audio coming from the mics. It's a bit of a I don't. Test. It's we're not interested so much in whether it changes, but if it gets worse, let us know and we can go immediately. 
back to the giant headsets. Oh, wait. We haven't asked Tyler. What does that do to our cough buttons? Well, that's going to be a problem. Are we going to lose a cough button? I think we're going to have to surgically implant a cough button into you. I cough a lot. You do. That's what the cough button is. But if you could get one of these, you know, surgically put onto your leg, say, and you could just... You could just hit your thigh, I don't think and that would mute you. I don't. All right, thanks, y'all. So <laughs> I just got word. We'll figure it out. Is he live? Does he come through, or do we only hear him? Oh, Is this on. like have answering ever, the voice in your ear have you live on TV? This? Of course nobody hears him. It's only us. I don't know. He could be hooked up to a mic. We could have him, maybe. You know, sometimes you hear, like, the producer. Right, the producer like, the chiming voice. in from yeah. the sideline. Tyler. You uh, for all, look, he's the audio whiz. I'm just a guy sitting here with a headset on. How do I know? Pretty sure we only hear him. Okay. So well, then that, has any idea that, what that entire about. 30 seconds has been pointless. How unprofessional can you be? I can be very unprofessional if you give me a shot at it. That's true. Maybe you, that's just, true. <laughs> you just wind me up and let me go. I can, I can set new standards for unprofessionalism. That's what the Wednesday podcast is for. I can get, we're not even scratching the surface at this point. We're, away, we're way away from the surface. We've been scratch, scratching the surface of professionalism for, for years. years now. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, let's lay the groundwork for what we're going to do today. Weekly, we need to do... A Stevenson Award update. That's what we're doing. The Stevenson Award, it is. So we'll, we'll hit on that. I'll explain that in a second. And then just the NFL news cycle never ends. So you've got Minka Fitzpatrick traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers from yeah. the Miami Dolphins. You have Jalen Ramsey asking for a trade. And then we've got some mailbag. People want to ask questions, and they want us to answer them. Okay. So that seems fair. They're asking questions. We'll answer them. And I think they kind of go hand-in-hand hand with, uh, with all the trade talk. So we'll get into all that stuff. Let's start with the Stevenson Award. It is PFF's number one award. We'll be updating this every week throughout the season. Essentially, we said, forget MVP. We just want a best player in the NFL award because MVP goes to the most valuable players. The middle word is valuable, Sam. So it's got to be a quarterback. It is. It is valuable. It is. So the Stevenson Award is the uh, essentially the Aaron Donald Award. Uh, the best player in the NFL, regardless of position, besides kickers and fullbacks. Yeah. Um, so who is in the running right now? To be the best player in the NFL, it's a, it's an unexpected list. Well, that's the fun thing about the start of the season is it's not necessarily the most dominant players or the guys that will always be there. Right at the start, you get a fun time where you get to think, maybe this is the changing of the guard. Maybe this is the year it'll be different. We get new guys, and then eventually, you know, Aaron Donald comes back to the fore, and yeah, it's his award again. But, yeah, for now, it's, it's, it's somebody else in the running. And it's not to say Donald's been bad. Because everyone's like, oh, he hasn't got a sack yet. Why has he been useless? Like, he's still been playing pretty well. Yeah. But and he got banged up a little bit right, before not he hurt well Drew Brees. enough to be at the top of this list. He essentially won the game for the Rams by knocking Drew Brees out of the game. That's true. He yeah. did. Um, so let me give you some defensive names. I don't, do you want to handle some offensive names? Okay. I just have defense. I can do that. Up. Yeah. Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, as we mentioned, small sample size, it's two weeks, but uh, the top graded guys with at least 90 snaps Jonathan Jones, cornerback from the Patriots. Grady Jarrett, interior D lineman for the Falcons. Anthony Harris, Viking safety. Joey Bosa, Chargers edge defender. And then Corey Lil- Littleton, Rams linebacker. He has uh, the no- He's the top graded linebacker in number two coverage grade. We've talked about him here a couple times. Mm-hmm. So in one, on one hand, it's you know small sample size, but those are the guys, and they're all between ninety point one and ninety point eight. Wow, from a grading tightly standpoint. bunched. They're all very tightly bunched. So I think. We know nothing right now about what's going to happen with the Stevenson Award, but as far as watch list goes, those guys are up there. I like it. Those are That's a pretty good list. The offensive side of the ball is fascinating because there's a couple of quarterbacks that are leading the way, but they're not the ones you would think would be leading the way heading right. into the season. So the best-graded player in all of football right now is Dak Prescott. Yeah, um, he's been fantastic. Which is kind of absurd because we've been, you know, we spent the entire offseason talking about do you pay Dak Prescott? And the kind of consensus was... Like, probably not what he's asking for or they're going to need to pay him to keep him around because um, because Dak Prescott is good, not great. Well, and I made Suddenly, I, he's become great in Kellen Moore's offense. Well, I made the point the other day, too. I said, if Dak does have a big year, do you is that him or is it Kellen Moore? Right. And now, you know, look, if he puts up huge numbers, Dallas is just going to say, I mean, they're going to they're going to pay him a ton of money right now anyway. Um but you do have to look back and say how much of this was the offense. Yeah. So I misspoke there a little bit. I had a I had penalties unfiltered in the old ultimate. He was he's actually the third best graded player in football. That's those tight ends. Uh, yeah. The tight ends are ahead of him. Mark Andrews and George Kittle. Mark Andrews, the second tight end drafted by the Ravens in his own draft. 
um, has become the star there, the the favorite hookup of Lamar Jackson right now, and George Kittle, who has continued to be absurdly dominant. Yeah, regardless of what happens at quarterback. Yeah, even with negated touchdowns and yeah, stuff, and they still count. Yeah, pulled off the board. They still count in PFF because it's how well have you played. So that's a perfect example of you know when you the, when you take out the no plays in terms of grading, you lose those plays. Of right. George Kittle doing exceptionally well scoring right. touchdowns, but they didn't count because somebody held on the back end nowhere near the play. Um, and then Lamar Jackson is right up there. Lamar again, quarterback of is he actually viable off season fame? is looking one really of the good. best players in the NFL through two weeks. And they have not even really tapped into his rushing ability. So there's a lot of a lot of people actually expected stuff like this. I I, I don't know how you could, but right. this, this is yeah. He's playing at an extremely high level right it, now. Those are fascinating. There's I don't think there's anything you can do for people who take this kind of leap and be like, told you so. Because <clears throat> like as impressive as this is this leap has been kind of an un- an unrealistic expectation leap. Now, also, he's played the Dolphins, right? By the way, Dak Prescott is about to play the Dolphins. Oh, so yeah, he's about as, as well-graded as anybody in the NFL right now, and he right. hasn't yet played the Dolphins. It's not fair. <laughs> so, um, not going to lie, the same people who expected a Lamar Jackson leap may have expected a Vernon Adams leap. You, well, that's part of it, yeah. So, sometimes you... Uh, for anybody Stumble listening, good games. it's not unreal. It's not on. Un- it's explain who the hell Vernon Adams is, Steve, because most people won't know because of his NFL career. He was a pretty good Eastern Washington, I believe, and then Oregon, yeah, quarterback for one year. Yeah, you know, he could throw the ball all right. Uh huh. And some people thought he was the best quarterback uh, in his draft class. And uh, what happened to him? I think he played in the CFL a little yeah. bit. Yeah, is that right? Uh huh. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> Dak, Lamar, they're up there. Tom Brady's up there. You mentioned the two tight ends. Josh Jacobs, rookie running back for the Raiders with an 89.8. He's the highest rated running back so yeah. far. So Josh Jacobs in the, is in the mix. And then the top two graded tackles a little bit further down in the grading, though, Mitchell Schwartz, you know, guy that always seems to grade well at right tackle mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. And then Lyle Collins, who had that monster week one game, right tackle for the Cowboys. So of this list of names we just rattled off, who among them do you think has staying power and is actually a legitimate sort of watch candidate, watch list candidate as opposed to just guy playing well for two weeks who will know will be nowhere I, near this list by the end of the year? I don't think Dak's gonna look, I think Lamar will drop off more than Dak, but I don't think either of them is gonna be sitting there as a top four or five quarterback by the end of the year. Harsh. We're two weeks into it. The thing about two week samples so here, I, I, I tweeted out uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers through two weeks. Oh, for two week. weeks last year, they were insane. Like he, 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 ended, he ended the year with a grade that was like 88 or 90 or something based off those two games, having been terrible for a couple of weeks enough to get benched after that. Yeah, like he that's how had, good those games were. They held him at that level. I can't remember if we sorted it, but it was like maybe the best two game stretch. I think it ever, was. We've ever graded. Yeah. He was averaging 13 yards per attempt yes. through two weeks. Like eight touchdowns, leading the league in passer rating, big time throws, one fifty one, big time throw. I mean, and this was like it was like a little bit again. Uh, no hiccup. Oh, okay. They, they had like a few schemed up plays. I mean, he was dropping dimes, yeah, yeah. left and right. This was all Fitzpatrick. So the thing about two weeks is when it's the first two weeks, you think it's a trend. It's like oh, sure. the off season happened. Now something new is happening. There's yeah, you because know, it's a new season. But two week samples happen. Every two weeks. They do. So nobody's Uh like, hey, remember that weeks 10 and 11 back in 2014 when (laughs) Ryan Tannehill was the highest graded quarterback? When you put put two random weeks either at the beginning or the end of a season, it looks looks like it should be meaningful, right? It's like... um, you know this. This means something. It starts the year. It's a new. It's a new leaf turned over. This is a completely different player. Or at the end of the year, it's like look at the way he ended the season. If he carries that into next year, it's going to be amazing. But if a guy does that just week eight and nine, it's nothing. It's just the guy had two good games randomly in the middle of the season, and then he's back to being whatever by the rest of it. Yeah. So, just, so yeah, it doesn't. You know, at the start of the year, it feels like it should be important, but it might not be. But this is your watch list. Okay. So right? they so you've you've dropped Dak and Lamar from it. So who else is going to stay there by the end of the year? Kittle, I mean, this is now a Kittle year and two games there. of Kittle, right? Uh, being elite, being arguably the best tight end in the NFL. I think, obviously, Tom Brady can stay up there. I think Russell Wilson. This is like the first time we've mentioned Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. 
We didn't even know they were on the watch list oh, until I put right the, now. I, I, I rolled through his name before I said Josh Jacobs. Oh, okay. Um, but I think, I mean, Kittle has a legitimate argument to be the best tight end in football right now. Yeah, the, I agree. The new Gronk. Yeah, we were debating him and, uh, him and Kelsey, and then Kittle's advantage has been, uh, they're both in really good schemes, but Kittle's run blocking has been a bit of an advantage if we're just talking about who the best players are. And he, so... Defensively, other, I don't know who sticks around. Green <laughs> Jarrett could stick around. The other thing about Kittle is that he has yet to have sustained excellent quarterback play. True. Like, as much as we expect at some point Jimmy Garoppolo to put it back together and play well for a while, he hasn't had that. Like, even Jimmy G has missed a lot of passes to George Kittle. Um, and that's while Jimmy G has been there. When he hasn't, it's been C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins, right. each He's of whom have missed a lot of passes to George Kittle. If George Kittle got a sustained le- period of Tom Brady-esque play, he could seriously put up Gronk-like numbers and grades. Patriots should definitely trade for him. They have a tight end issue. Oh, yeah? They can okay. use some playmakers. Um, so I think defensively, Grady Jarrett could stick around. I think for Anthony Harris, as a safety, it's just difficult to – maintain that high level of play because there's got to be so many impact plays um so that's just tough to do throughout the course of a season joey bosa could stick around up there um so those are you know two guys that are you know in years four and five uh-huh. of their career that absolutely could uh could stick around you know who else is on the fringes of the kind of top all the defensive guys are a bunch really closely together at the top they really on that fringe kenny clark has become yes. one of the most impactful interior defenders in the nfl um Plus, he gets to play the Vikings again, which will help. Um, Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, struggling. he has been he has been steadily getting better and better basically since day one. And he was already reasonably good to start with. Yeah. So he's legitimately becoming, you know, I, we had a question on. He was young, Sam. He was. We had a question on our Instagram mailbag thing earlier in the week. And the question was, does Kenny Clark have the ability to become the best interior defender in the NFL? To which the answer is probably no, because that's Aaron Donald always. But he has the ability to be the Fletcher Cox of 2019, i.e. absurdly good, but still in Aaron Donald's shadow by the end of it. But it's also a little different because he's playing nose tackle. Yeah. All those other guys have the advantage of playing three technique a lot, mm-hmm. you know, rushing against guards with Kenny Clark. Like, who were the best nose tackles over the last couple of years as far as just all around play? Like, we saw peak Marcel Darius. We saw Brandon Meebane put a year together. But... Um, who am I missing here? For, there was another good nose tackle that had a better because most of it, like Big Snacks, is just great run defender, right. not doing as much as a pass rush, uh, pass rusher. Um, but Clark might be the best all around nose tackle that we've seen in the NFL over the last five or six years, based off his last year plus. Yeah, I, I think as far make, as all around, right? If you restricted the nose tackles, I think you could make the case. So there you go, Kenny Clark. He'll be in the Stevenson running. Sound good? Sure. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up. Any other names you want to throw in the mix? But Aaron Donald, by the way, has only an 87 grade. So what yeah, a loser. So is he getting too old? Um, Aaron Donald is there or thereabouts. Chris Jones is there or thereabouts. Oh, Chris Jones just had that continues to look game. like a wrecking machine as a pass rusher. Um, Luke Keekley is playing really well still. Deion Jones is kind of back to his best. There's a lot. So once you get right just outside the sort of watch list names, the usual suspects are lurking. They are. You know, the yes. guys you expect to be there by the end of the year. They're all kind of just around on the fringes, um, and you expect them to keep up that level of performance over 16 games, which will basically propel them to the top of the list. So keep an eye on it. It's the Stevenson Award, best players in the NFL. It's Long. Dwight, not Donald. Donald was never. Dwight Stevenson. Donald was never that kind of, uh, that kind of a player. That's great. And if you guys want to throw your own names in the hat, of course, you just get PFF Elite Premium Stats 2.0, and just just go check out the grades for yourself. Oh, like suggesting players? I thought you meant nominate yourself for the Stevenson Award. That no, would be that would be ambitious. I mean, it's not like players aren't nominating themselves for many things with us anyway. Sure. Like, I just, hey, I want that coverage where the guy dropped it. Just you know, because right. I want that. Target. I just don't know that you're going to have much success mailing in and suggesting that you should win the Stevenson Award this year. No, so just NFL players. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Pittsburgh Steelers. And their whole situation. Okay. I think I think zero and two teams in general are just a great storyline right now because there's some unexpected teams in there. But the Steelers are sitting there at zero and two. Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season. Mason Rudolph is taking over. Mm-hmm. I think some people in their head, people are like, "Oh, you got a backup quarterback. Maybe this is a rebuilding year for the Steelers. Maybe they're going to have a top ten pick next year. Maybe this is when they need to either see what they have in Mason Rudolph or 
eventually move on from Ben Roethlisberger, draft someone else. Well, I mean, those aren't mutually exclusive, right? You're going to get 14 games of Mason Rudolph. Right. And you may end up being in a position to draft a replacement. A lot of new information coming out. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers go and they trade their first round pick to the Miami Dolphins yeah. for Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. Now, a lot of people are thinking, so George's take, our guy George was like, hey, this shows maybe the Steelers have some faith in Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I think another take on it is you still you have a first round pick from two years ago. I mean, he is like 18 games into his NFL career. So you've lost just a year of service time from him. A big chunk of his money has already been paid. This isn't a short-term investment. It's still a long-term investment by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, in their mind, it's kind of like, hey, we're getting our first-round pick a year early, that whole that whole deal. So I don't think it's like a 2019. Is that what you're in? Yeah. I don't think it's a 2019 move. I think it's still a long-term move. You go get a good sure. football player. I, I, I mean, I think, yeah. Both those things are probably true, I think. It is def- it, it can be a short-term and a long-term move at the same time, right? It's, it's a move that should help them this year. Mika Fitzpatrick can come in. He can play either slot or safety. I, you know, I think he's a, a slight hybrid type of player. I think he could fit in well with this defense and help them this season. Um, he should also be there for the long term because he is still on that rookie contract. He's a young player. He should have long-term upside as well. The question for me is what you're potentially sacrificing to make it happen. Because for the first time in a pretty long time, your quarterback situation is now completely up in the air. Right. Now, Roethlisberger goes down hurt. He's, along with all of those 04 quarterbacks, reaching the end of his career. Whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's two years' time, the end is coming for those guys, all of them. Eli Manning has just been benched this, this week. We can talk about that in a bit. Philip Rivers seems ageless, the ageless wonder, but that offensive line is going to get him murdered at some point. Yep. Um, and Roethlisberger just goes down with a season-ending injury late in his career. So for the first time in a long time, they have to, they've been confronted with their quarterback mortality. And right now the answer is Mason Rudolph, if for no other reason than there is no other option. Right? You just traded away Joshua Dobbs. Mason Rudolph won the backup job in preseason and training camp. So he's what you're going with now. But you don't know if he's going to be good or not. Like if he sucks this year, you're already 0-2. That first-round pick could suddenly become a very high first-round pick quite right. quickly. Right. And for an organization that is typically as good as the Steelers, they don't pick high often. Yeah, right? right. So when you start planning this idea of a Ben Roethlisberger succession, it's not easy because you don't get a continuous shot at those top-end quarterbacks. You don't know that Mason Rudolph is the guy. You have to strategize how you're going to secure one of those guys and maybe you need to do something like the chiefs which is all right we we get somewhere a little bit higher than we normally are and we make a jump up to like 10 and we snag one one of the guys we like that's fallen that far and we package whatever it is to make it happen even if we still have a quarterback with a year or two to go but i this to me it's just not the time to be sacrificing a first round pick when when there are that many things up in the air in terms of your quarterback future i think you need that pick to, to, for, for the future, for potentially what might happen in the 2020 draft and therefore what your future at the position looks like. So the other component here is, okay, so you get Minka Fitzpatrick. He was a first-round pick last year. Maybe you loved him. Uh, maybe it's a better fit. But you're bringing him into a Pittsburgh secondary that you know hasn't been good for many years, but there's so much investment there. They invested heavily in Steven Nelson. They invested a first-round pick in Terrell Edmonds. A second round pick in Sean Davis. You've they a first round pick in Artie Burns a couple years ago. They got Joe Hayden in there. So they just have a ton of bodies. And if there's one position they're actually pretty good at, it's covering the slot with Mike Hilton. Yeah. And that might be Mike Minka's best best spot. Now when we when he was coming out of Alabama, a lot of people compared him to Jalen Ramsey and said, Here's this guy who played in the slot like Ramsey did for the majority of his career. And Ramsey played everything, to be honest. And you're like, all right, do we move him to outside corner? Do we keep him in the slot? And this is when we were coming through our research saying, if you're going to project a guy, it's easier to project him to the same role, yeah. slot to slot, outside to outside. And he's gone to Miami and played, you know, hybrid safety, a little bit of slot. And a lot of people wanted him to play outside corner. Mm. And they were like, oh, you can only be a first round pick if you're an outside corner. And we were saying, if you throw him in the same role in Alabama, that star role, which is he's a good blitzer. He's generally a good tackler, even though his tackling has been disastrous in the NFL so far. <laughs> He's a pretty good run defender. 
Um, you know, that's supposed to go hand in hand. But, you know, even with all the missed tackles, his run defense right. was good last year. So he could have been that Charles Woodson late career type of hybrid extra linebacker slot zone heavy player. But it just hasn't worked out all that well in Miami yet. So it could be a great fit in Pittsburgh or he could be redundant. Right. With some other. Guys. I mean, I think it depends. It depends how versatile he really is, you know, and how much of it was just people's inability to correctly project him at the next level. Right. Yeah. One of the part, I think part of those two things are, can both happen at the same time. You can either have a guy that is extremely versatile and do a lot of different things. Well, play multiple positions to a high level. I think Ramsey could play multiple positions in the secondary, potentially all of the positions in the secondary to an extremely high level. So if you liked him at any of those things, you'd be right. I think there are other cases where guys do a lot of different things and people just can't work out what he should be doing at the next level. Yeah. And it's basically the ignorance of the guy projecting it that makes him versatile, right? Yeah, so right. I just don't know what he should be doing. Therefore, I'm going to say he's versatile and it might not actually be true. Um, so Minka's thing is trying to figure out if he is actually as versatile as everyone thought he was coming out or if we actually need to dial in on what he should be doing at the next level. The good news for the Steelers is that that secondary has enough holes in it that they can fit him in anywhere if they figure out what he's good at. So if it turns out that he his ideal role is a deep-lying free safety, they can fit that in. If it turns out that his ideal role is actually moving to perimeter cornerback, they can fit that in. The only place they don't really need him is that slot corner position. Um, but even then, I think I've seen enough at this point to say that pure slot corner is not his ideal position in the NFL because there are too many now fast, shifty slot receivers that expose his relative lack of kind of quickness and short area stuff, right? I think his slot role is, as, the, as your favorite term, Steve, the tight end eraser. Yeah. You combat those matchup weapons that teams are lining up in the slot nowadays, whether it's tight ends, whether it's running backs, the guys that aren't quite sh- pure speed, um, shifty receivers, but are devastating weapons in the slot. Those guys, I think he can cover really well. What, the Marquise Browns of the world, not so much. Yeah, so that would be that's my concern with him as a slot. I'm with you as a pure man slot corner. Right. When we say the slot, it doesn't always mean man to man. Sure. But. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me where his good fit was, and I was like, "Okay, you put him in a Desmond King type of role. So yeah, if you sent him to fair. Jacksonville or a team that's playing that Seattle scheme, he's playing the slot in name, but it's a lot of curl flat zone, and it's mm-hmm. a lot of extra. You're essentially an extra linebacker against the run in a short area zone heavy type of player. You play man when you need to. Um, maybe Pittsburgh ends up using him in that role, you know, because." I know we have people tweeting us all the time that they played a ton of man coverage last year. They didn't, not by our numbers. Other people might have that. Pittsburgh has been a zone-heavy team for a few years now, Um, but they've been trying to morph back and forth more and more. What we've seen, though, is communication issues. I mean, massive communication issues. Our friend Louis Riddick was tweeting about that the other day. Um, Maybe that's one place where Minka helps to shore things up. You got a veteran like Steven Nelson back there. You add a veteran like or a smart player like Minka, not a veteran yet, but coming out, that, that was one of the things in Saban's system. He was a true freshman and played really well as a true freshman. Yeah. Three strong years there in Saban's system. He's a smart player. I mean, even just from a communication standpoint, getting, you know, cutting down on coverage bus could help quite a bit. This is true. So I'm saying zone heavy scheme where he's playing over the slot and doing some tight end eraser stuff when they have to play man. I think that's a great role. For Minka. Yeah, I think overall the feeling is that it's an excellent move for the Steelers in terms of the player that they actually did acquire. I don't think anybody is looking at that and going, well, that's just a bad move. They don't need him and he's not very good. I think everyone fairly well agrees that they they have they can make use of him. He should be a good player. It's good. I just don't like that they had to give up a first round pick in a year. They might desperately need a quarterback to make that yeah. happen. So even if Minka becomes defensive player of the year, Charles Woodson. Yeah. If they're sitting there with a top ten pick, Mason Rudolph wasn't great, and they have an opportunity at say a Tua, Justin Herbert, uh Joe Burrow, whoever the whoever the guy is, and they're and they don't. And the Dolphins have that shot instead right. of the Steelers. That's the concern, right? Yeah. Is that Minka plays fantastically? Mason Rudolph was a disaster. You end the season with four wins. You should be picking in the top ten. 
with a shot at a quarterback and you you're not because you traded away the pick for Minka. Now, as much as you're happy to have Minka, you now need a quarterback and you don't have a way of getting it because you traded away the pick to make it happen. Yeah, so I think that's that's where that storyline is going to come full circle. I think the, the I think the man coverage thing, by the way, I think the Steelers played a lot more of it last year than they did the year before, but it was still like they were so far as they were basically pure zone only. The year before that, 2017. Yeah. What were they at last year again? I didn't check. The For last cover last one, it was 29. percent That is, was a lot higher than right, which they, is a lot higher, but still had. nowhere near the top teams in the NFL. Yep. So they still were dramatically zone heavy last year. It just was significantly more man than they played in the years previously. So if you're a Steelers yeah. fan, you're looking at it. Wow, we're playing way more. You, you were relatively still a lot less than everybody else. And where they've struggled. So what people don't realize is just how much, how important communication is on the back end because when you call cover one so to speak it's not like in madden right you just call cover one everybody go play man it's not like Madden. no damn it you have so many adjustments well what if they come out and empty what if they come out in bunch right how do you exchange the bunch do you lock the bunch do you switch so there's so much communication that happens there so that's what happened previously with the steelers when they were that zone heavy team and then they tried to morph into a man team, like against New England that one year. It's not something they had no idea switch. how to adjust. Yeah, it's not something you can just switch because the problem with this is one of the the keys to sort of coverages in the NFL, right? Is that it doesn't work the way it works. It's so much. It's so there's a there's a whole extra layer to this thing beyond just what you see on a chalkboard, right? Right. You can draw up, you know, what the zones look like or what man coverage looks like on the board. It's just you, 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 you. Or zones, we got the two deep here. We got everything underneath. It's simple, right? Everything looks easy. Like, but NFL offenses have been doing this for decades. So they go, okay, well, if you're going to run this, we move these guys over here. We run this uh, this particular um, route combination, and now this causes you problems, right? So now there are a bunch. Everybody has coverage rules. It's like, okay, what do you do when you're faced with this? Because you can't run vanilla cover three or you can't run vanilla cover one man coverage across the board something needs to change because this immediately breaks it and everybody knows that every and everybody knows that everybody knows that um so you need to come up like now i do yeah dying on air what is it with us is this is there like asbestos in this room or something that the two of us a good chance um people don't get to see the Sides over here. The beauty of this place. It's just a great studio. To have we, that. yeah, have we checked what it these is. panels are actually made of? Because they don't look like it's the kind of material you want to be ingesting into your lungs. Maybe I wasn't coughing on coffee grinds. Um, so anyway, the, so you need to have rules on your coverages because there are specific things that break the basic vanilla shells that everybody runs. Yeah. So the differences between a lot of these teams is what their coverage rules are. Um, and then you get the next layer, which is, when your coach goes over there, he now understands what your coverage rules are, and he knows how to break them. Yeah, then there's game plan oriented. Right. How are we going to do it this so week? So then you get those situation. scenarios where, you know, the the Dan Quinns of the world, they go to Atlanta. They're coming up against the scheme that they left in Seattle. They understand what their coverage rules are, and they're able to break them, mm-hmm. even though present them with something, know what they're going to do to combat that, and then create the extra wrinkle that breaks that coverage rule. Also, I mean, when you even when you call zone, whether it's quarters or cover three, a lot of it is, again, you always say it's not covering grass, right? It's right. not. So the Steelers, of all the teams, would do more spot drop type of stuff yeah. than another team. Just get to a spot right. and then read the quarterback from there. But most zone coverage these days are like, all right, if you get a vertical route beyond right. eight yards. It's pattern matching. Right. You're matching that pattern. Now, if you don't get it, all right, now you need to go, are you going to replace someone else deep? Are you going to read something short? Yeah. I mean, it's all, if it's, it's a bunch of if-then statements. Right. It's like programming. And it's this like is all why, IT guys upstairs. This is why, like, intelligence is an important thing, right? Gone, oh, for gone sure. are the days where you can just say, I can take any moron and just say, right, you're, you're on the number one receiver, do what he does. Stop him catching the ball. That's all you need to worry about. That doesn't really exist anymore. There's, it's so much more complicated than that. You need guys that are able to, think and process and react as the play is going on and be on the same page as everybody else while they're doing it. So, and that's why it's not easy to just, this is why what Belichick does is so amazing in terms of being able to game plan up every single game and completely change what you're doing on the back end. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's really hard to switch up what you're doing week to week. 
right? Oh, yeah. Even just once. Like, the, the idea that the Steelers, that was why that was such an amazing game plan. Did they come out and they go, we are a zone-heavy team, but we know it doesn't work against New England. We need to come out and play basically man coverage across the board. They effectively need to junk their playbook, install a completely new one within the week to go up against the New England Patriots. Like, teams spend a month doing that in training camp, trying to get everyone onto the same page in terms of playbook. They had to do it within a week to combat the New England Patriots, arguably the best offense in the NFL, over any period of time. So to be able to do this, like, week to week, every week, the way the Patriots are, is nuts. Like, it's insane. You should not be able to do that. But again, I think that's why it's... Without coverage busts and stuff like that. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to replicate what they do because that does not function unless you have the, guy, the, the personnel guy on the same page. Because you need, a lot of the times in order to do that, you need to be able to switch up personnel. Because it's just unre- some people are suited to scheme one, not scheme two. So the Patriots are very good at being able to go, well, this is a, this is a scheme two week. Yeah, so right. we're going to go with this group of guys. This is a scheme one week. We're going to go with the other group of guys. And they don't, you know, they, so they'll, they'll mix and match a lot. Right. Whereas other teams... Again, when you do that, it's like, right, we're going to have to go with a scheme two week this week. Like, with all of our personnel is suited for scheme one. That, that's not great. And they're screwed. Whereas the Patriots, because they've been on the same sheet, everybody, they have the personnel group to be able to make it happen. So that'll wrap up. That's great. Great discussion there, Sam. They'll wrap up our Thank Minka and Steelers discussion. I think that the whole NFL coaching discussion in general is fascinating to me. I don't know if this was planned, but we had, we had some NFL coaches rolling through here yesterday. Oh, yeah? Some former NFL coaches. I saw them. Yeah, you saw them. I was in meetings. We didn't pull you into meetings. No, I know. I'm not a meeting guy anymore. Well, you've got bigger things to worry about. Yeah, yeah. But we were in there talking to them, and there was just a lot of... So these are former NFL coaches. They may or may not be looking to get back into things. Okay. They may or may not be expecting or hoping for PFF to really help them um, on a day-to-day basis, get back in there. Um, But I do think... Here here was my, my quick takeaway without giving away who it was or what they were looking to do this is very cryptic well no I, this this isn't going to give anything away but either way um i could give it away if i said we confirmed that one thing that everybody was complaining about you could yeah yeah don't do we that did let me just say this there was this one thing that we did that everybody said you guys are stupid but we were right mm. confirmed yesterday well done yeah this may have been four or five years ago <laughs> but it doesn't matter we were right and we got it confirmed. All right. So where were you going anyway with all this talk? So I just think a lot of what like George and Eric are doing and what uh, analytics community is doing is saying, here's how NFL coaches should think, right? Here, are the, here is this new forward-looking way that they should be going, right? Forward, forward-looking uh, concept that they should be taking in. I think many NFL coaches are just looking to do their current job, what they know, just more efficiently. Okay. So they're coming in here like, hey, PFF, make us make us more efficient. Make my Mondays cleaner. And we do that, right? We cut down a 15-hour process into two hours. I mean, we legitimately do. We hear this all the time. But there are coaches who are just looking for efficiencies instead of actual insights on how to maybe be ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And that was that continues to be eye-opening for me. And I think we're doing a better job of pushing them into – Actually, there's insights within PFF that are really going to help you um, move forward, not just be more efficient at what you do. So I forgot one more thing that's special about this bonus podcast that we're going to be doing is when we're live on YouTube, there is a live chat function. Yeah, I see so, it right here. Yeah, yeah. So people can actually ask us questions real time in yeah. this mailbag thing. So people – it's like someone good, asked who George and Eric are. Yeah, if they're good, we will – We'll actually, you know, reference them, comment on them, talk about it. Again, if you're listening on audio, this is useless to you. It is. But, for, but, but maybe you can reason. join the live YouTube right. every You can get to Wednesday the party. Get to where the party is Wednesday at 9 on YouTube, live. Drop us questions, and we might answer them depending That's the other on thing how bad they are. We're trying to do better at. So Monday morning, it's at like 9 a.m., live yes. on YouTube. Wednesday morning, about 9 a.m., mm-hmm. live on YouTube. Thursday might be 2.30, 3 Ish. o'clock. Yeah. It'll be mid-afternoon. And then we'll get them um, up on audio as quick as we can. Yeah, but uh, Lewis asks, who are George and Eric? So they are the host of the PFF Forecast, another yes. podcast that will go live on our YouTube channel and, of course, is part of Podcast One like we are, so go find it and listen to it. But George and Eric, they're essentially 
Um, they lead our R&D group. They have cool titles because they're data scientists. Yeah, yeah. You and I are just like analysts. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, I mean, it's okay, but it's not a data scientist. But they have so much credibility because when we throw them into the room with former coaches and we're like, here's our data scientists. And we're like, this guy was a blocking tight end in college. And this guy is just jacked. George. He is. Yeah. Right. They look more respectable because they think, you know, they're expecting pocket protectors and, you know, true nerds and right. that stuff. No, George is by far and away the most um, athletically impressive looking human in the building. And we have former NFL players in the building. Oh, yeah. And one of them asked George, like, you know, basically for his workout routine. It's like, <laughs> right. you look, in, you up, look in great shape. What, how, can I get on, how can I get on what you're doing? Now, it turns out I think that that routine is basically just be in the gym three times a day. And, you know, I just I'm not doing that, to be honest. I, you know, I might be able to get in that kind of shape, but I'm not working out three times a day. Maybe we should. Just not doing it. Maybe I mean, should. three times a week is struggling. But three, three times a day? Forget that. All right. So uh, where, do, where do we want to go next anyway? Uh, what was – oh, we wanted to – what else happened midweek that we were going to talk about? Eli? Eli, that was it. The benching. They benched him. You know what they did? They benched him one game before he could get a losing record for his time starting. He's 116 and 116 as a really starter right to, now. Really trying to protect him. One more loss, and Eli would come out of his career with a losing record. So I, I'm not going to jinx Daniel Jones or anything like that, but we talked about health being uh, a playing style thing. Yeah. Daniel Jones, so the comp I had for him coming out was Nick Foles. And not the only one, by the way. I saw uh, Daniel Jeremiah tweet the same oh, he thing. He used the same thing. Yeah. Um, in both good and bad, right? Because on a throw-for-throw throw basis, Foles can be maddening. He can miss some throws. Wow. And then th- the most impressive stuff that Daniel Jones did last year was making throws under pressure. And with you know, he's like, I'm gonna you know look down the gun barrel, that whole deal, right? And just take a hit and make a big throw. That's why Foles made that huge playoff run. So that that's part of volatility, right? Is when you make a throw with a guy in your face. Sometimes it works, and you're a hero. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. And you're not. You're bad. That's that's like the epitome of a volatile type of quarterback. And Jones did get hurt last year, played through injuries at Duke. So he needs to, uh, you know, stay healthy. We might see Eli back. Is my point. So he can still get the losing record. Yes. Yeah, so don't you know? Don't okay. be dismayed. Okay. So what are the Giants getting with Daniel Jones? How much better? You think they're better? Probably. Eli's kind of bad now. So I, I really, look, I don't know. I don't know either, but I think it's like, play the odds, right? Where Eli is right now, what are the odds that the guy coming in to replace him is better? So I would say they're better than... Eli Manning has better. consistently been ranked between 24th, 28th, and 28th, 29th in our quarterback rankings over the last few years. Daniel Jones, who... Our pre-draft evaluation, we had Mike Renner, who liked him a lot more than any, and the rest of us. Mm-hmm. He said he would have taken him in the first round. He was the one guy who said he would take him in the first round. Yeah. Um, we were more of a day two overall. As a company, we were like, he's more of a day two type of player for us. And in my head, a day two player is like a Nick Foles, like maybe like Mike Glennon. Like you could get anything from Super Bowl Nick Foles to just Mike Glennon's career. Yeah. That's what a day two you know, round two, round three type of quarterback is, in my opinion, right? Sure. And I think Daniel Jones could fall into that spectrum. I think there could be some high end stuff. He'll run the offense. Well, he does, a, but, you know, but I don't know if he'll consistently be that good. Now, all that said, I'm not going to lie, his preseason performance was really, really good mm-hmm. and instilled a little bit of doubt in my evaluation. Right. Now, we're not like, I mean, I saw um, Dan Orlovsky after like two preseason, preseason games, was like apologizing to Daniel Jones. I missed it. Right. I was wrong. Like we're way too early for that. Sure. We'll admit when we're wrong, when like there's evidence that we're wrong. Yeah. That like, oh yeah, he, they, they nailed it. First round pick. Um, but all that said, preseason was encouraging for Daniel it Jones. It looked, he looked good. Um, I, I like, Matt Renner's point was good, which is, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the situation in New York. It's yeah. like, there's no way the situation can be any worse than it was at Duke. And that's what made him the sixth overall pick. Now, even if you say he was a round too early, he still got himself to being a second-round caliber player playing in a vastly worse situation than the one he's stepping into in New York. So I don't think he could be concerned by that. Um, Look, I think it's time, right? We were talking – the preseason, if it did nothing else, said that now should be Daniel Jones' time. 
maybe he's not better than Eli, but he should be your future. And if you're the only reason you would have him not on the field right now is if you're concerned about stymieing his development. And if you're not concerned by that, get him out there because what is Eli being out there doing for you? The answer is nothing. This team is not going anywhere in 2019. So put the young guy out there and see what he did, what he has. So, well, going back to the whole small sample size thing again, I mean, there, if, if you just took 30 throws of Eli Manning or 50, 40 throws, sure. There are some good NFL drives in there. Yes. There are some good NFL throws, right? So mm-hmm. we're certainly not going to judge Daniel Jones on that number of throws because there right. are times where Eli Manning looks way better than, or, you know, just as good, if not better. You don't judge him, but you say, okay, now the sample size, now the, what we've seen in a small sample size says we need to see a bigger sample size. So that's not going to happen unless you put him on the field. So, you know, it's, it's not enough to judge him on. You can't say, okay, I'm convinced that he's now the real deal. I'm worth the first round pick worth the number six overall pick, but it is enough to say, okay, I'm convinced that I need to see more of this guy because what we've seen so far is better than Eli. So put him on the field, which is exactly what they've done. Right. I just, right. I agree that you need to see what you have in Daniel Jones. So what else is he as a player? I thought there were times that, um, so it was so funny because you could see his mannerisms actually looked like Peyton Manning. I hope he has, if he, if he runs play action from the shotgun this Sunday, look how much his mannerisms look like Peyton Manning. I mean, it's the same like footwork. It's the same eyes down feet. Like everything is, um, is there. Daniel Jones feels like a guy where if you're just trying to like tick traits or tick like, oh, he keeps his eyes downfield or he steps up in the pocket or he's willing to take a hit. He does a lot of those QB type things where he was um, lacking was just just not making enough good throws downfield and beyond the sticks. His deep ball was very inconsistent. Another thing in the preseason was fantastic. I mean, his downfield accuracy was outstanding. We haven't seen that level of consistency from him yet. Um, and he would just make, again, when he was taking those big hits, it was a cross between great throws and bad decisions. So um, can he go out there and run the offense and hit the open guy and all that stuff? Yeah, he could do that. By the way, week one, he also had a fumble when he scrambled. Yeah. Crushed his grade. Where do you stand on Eli Manning to the Hall of Fame? I'm a I'm a hard no. Hard no? Yeah. So it's interesting to me because a lot of people for start the Hall of Fame is tricky because nobody has any kind of defined definition as to what it should take to get in there. We need to have a Stevenson Award of Fame. I I don't even think that. You just need to actually lay down the criteria somewhere. What is it what does it mean to be a Hall of Famer? Because I don't think anybody knows, including the people voting for the inclusion or not. Um, and a lot of people use this standard of, can you tell the history of the NFL without this player? That was what, what Schefter tweeted the other day? Yeah, but it's not like it's, this That's isn't like a Schefter original. This is like one of the widely held tenets of people. And if that's your criteria, I think there's a reasonable case that he like goes in, right? Because two out of the, what are we on now, 54? How many Super Bowls have we had now? 53. 53, okay. So two of the 53 Super Bowls, Eli Manning was a huge part in winning and derailing one of the largest dynasties Thank the you. game has ever seen, well arguably the largest. Um, so if that's your criteria, you would, you would find it really hard to effectively tell the story without Eli Manning. But if you went, how good was this guy as a player, the absolute best you could do is average over his career. The absolute best. He got red hot for two really key periods that brought them two Super Bowl rings, which is what everybody's chasing. But ultimately, as a player, he was an average quarterback for most of his career. Um, so it it comes down to what is the Hall of Fame? Is it a place where you just put in the people that you need to tell the story of the game, in which case people like Malcolm Butler go in because he had one of the most iconic plays in Super Bowl yep. history? By that criteria, right. yeah. It's a- or... Is it where we put the best players that have ever played the game, in which case Eli Manning is like several states away in terms of quality. He's not, he's not even in the conversation. Um, so I, I think we need to figure out what the hell it means. And people point to some of the quarterbacks already in there. It's like, well, Joe Namath is in there and his stats are average. Like, you, can't, you can't do that, right? Joe Namath played in a completely different era. You have era. to adjust for era. Completely different era. You can't just look um, at his numbers. Also, he... Like he broke four thousand yards years before anybody else did. 
like he set legitimate benchmarks that other people didn't come close to for years. Eli never did that. Um, people then point to Eli's overall stats. It's like, well, the guy's top 10 in yards, touchdowns. Like, that just means he hung around for a lot of years. Oh, yeah, longevity. Like, Vinny Testaverde ended his career way up at the sharp end of a bunch of cumulative stats because he played for like 87 years. If you're going to use stats, you obviously can't use counting stats. Um, Unless, of course, you believe that simple durability is a Hall of Fame-worthy characteristic. Well, then we're going to be debating Frank Gore. Which, again, I don't, but other people do. So like, Cur- I Curtis Martin. Right. I don't I, don't I wouldn't have put Curtis in. Martin in. But people are like, well, durability is huge. I couldn't believe I mean, I never watched Curtis Martin and said Hall of Famer. No. But, never. But I think I think there is a legitimate debate as to what is more Hall of Fame worthy, a Terrell Davis slash Kurt Warner career. Kurt Warner, yeah. Or a Curtis Martin, Eli Manning career. I say Kurt Warner. Same. But I know there are other people who think the other way around, right? I will take the guy that grinds for 1,100 yards for 15 straight years over the guy that rushed for 2,000, you know, and, and had it was a supernova when he was in the NFL, but it just lasted a short time because injuries killed him. Is Eli even better than Donovan McNabb? <sighs> I don't know. Eli is the worst quarterback of that year. The Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. Philip Rivers year. Those three are all going to end up retiring fairly soon. They're also going to end up retiring in the same kind of time as presumably Drew Brees, maybe Tom Brady if he stops going on forever. But you're, when you start comparing those guys, like how here's, can, here's how can you put Eli Manning up against Tom Brady or Drew Brees and say they're equal, which is what you'd be doing if you put them all in the Hall of Fame? Ah, they, would, they would be in a different wing. Yeah. Like Brady and Brees are over here. Yeah. Eli's behind the, uh, behind the mops over in the broom closet somewhere. Eli's probably using the mops to uh, clean the halls. You know what the best suggestion I heard was? Is that in order to square that um, dynamic of he's had two of the more important kind of his 11 and 07 Super Bowl wins against the Patriots are absolutely things that need to be woven into the fabric or a, a chapter in the story of the NFL. They get an exhibit in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning and the Giants defeat the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots, and knock them off in 11 again. Yeah, there's they your get, story. Right. They get a nice little mock-up design. We can see, you know, a helmet catch puppet or whatever picture. They get a nice little exhibit in the Hall, but Eli does not get a bronze bust because as a player, he was rank average. So I do think, so I do think there's value in, in like playoff runs. Like I do think those well, that's, yeah. those are points in his favor. Yes. Right? But those are the only points really in his favor because I think Eli's been a top five quarterback or top ten quarterback. Even a top ten quarterback, maybe twice. See here you go. In the comments, Mr. Nate K. Curtis Martin is for sure a Hall of Famer. The amount of thousand yard rushing seasons he put together in a row is astonishing. Again, that How just many means twelve hundred yard seasons did he have? Though? That just means he stayed healthy for a period of seasons. A thousand yards in a season is sixty yards a game, which for um, back when he was playing is nothing. Like, yeah, that's not like you're going to get 20 carries. Like right. durability it just is, means he hung around for an extremely long period of time. It's not the hall of durability. It's not. It's not the hall of good. It's, it's not, not the hall of very good. But it's not the hall of great either. It's the hall of fame. It's the hall of that's fame. what makes it complicated. We're the fame guys. Um, so a, a nice because we don't have PFF grades for Eli's entire career, but adjusted net yards per attempt. Okay, which essentially says it's like passer rating, but like take sacks into account and it elevates touchdowns and crushes interceptions just among active players. Eli Manning is behind in his career. Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Matthew Stafford, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, who's not really active anymore. Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins, Big Ben, Dak, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's not good. He's behind a lot of people. Yes. Like if you just said... If you just stopped at any year of Eli's career and said, does he make the top 10? There's two years he gets in there. Top 15, there's like five years maybe he gets in yeah. there. It's, it's so strange because ultimately everybody is chasing Super Bowls, right? They're the reason we play this game. Um, they're the things everybody's chasing. And as much as I really don't, I don't think they should preclude you from getting to the hall, right? If you just happen, if you happen to be an amazing player who played on a crappy team for your entire existence and never sniffed the Super Bowl, that shouldn't prevent you from getting into the Hall. But if you were the reason your team won a ring or two because you caught fire and went on a crazy run, that I think does huge um, 
benefit to your case. Now I know you can make. Oh seven, he's not he the was, only person. Oh right? seven, he was not the reason until the super. He had a great Super right. Bowl. Now he's not. He was the re- a big reason in eleven. Yes, and he wasn't obviously the only reason. This is a fifty-three man game, a right. forty-five game day roster, whatever. The, their defense, the front four, got after the Patriots a huge amount. He wasn't even the only guy. You know, obviously. The guy catching the helmet catch was as big a part as the guy throwing the ball after he escaped. But the point is, he was a huge part of those two Super Bowl wins. So it's it's very hard to discount that because that's the reason we're all doing this. So if you take that away, he has zero case whatsoever. But that is such a huge thing to have achieved. It gives him some case. I just don't think it's a very good one. Let me just wrap up the Eli discussion really quick. Let me, let me skew positive for him. If you're the New York Giants in 2004, there, the debate would be: Did you, did you, was your process correct? You essentially chose Eli Manning over right. Philip Rivers. Was your process correct? Maybe not, because Philip Rivers we think is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. However, if Two you're the wins. New York Giants, you would never trade that. Right, right. You made the right decision mm-hmm. in the reality that we live in right now. You took, you get your two championships. You endured a bunch of playoff free. You didn't play play in the playoffs a ton of years. But you got two championships out of Eli's career. Fantastic. Great job, Giants. If you're Eli Manning versus, say, a Phillip Rivers, I do think there's something going on on those playoff runs. So is there something innate in Phillip Rivers that he's been unable to do that with better teams? Right. With 06, that really nice team, with other teams that have been number one and two seeds and various things like that. He has not been able to go on that playoff run where Eli Manning has helped these nine and seven teams who, granted, came together defensively as well. But he's been able to go on these playoff runs, something that like a Ben Roethlisberger has been able to do. Obviously, Brady's done it a bunch of times. Rodgers has done it once. Breeze has done it once. There is something to not only just the championship, the ring, but like going on a run where you actually carried your team. Like Peyton's first ring, he wasn't actually carrying. Going on a run and being an integral part of the thing, right? I don't think just getting a ring or even getting two rings should automatically boost you, right? You can be a passenger at quarterback on a team that wins a Super Bowl championship, right? Peyton Manning's last one. I mean, Peyton Manning wasn't the reason they won His that. first one. Well, all right, Peyton Manning's both rings, right? Neither yeah. of them, he was the reason they won those rings. Um, particularly the second one, though, where he was, oh, especially, yeah. he was not markedly better than Brock Osweiler that season. Right. Um, that's how bad Peyton Manning was playing, yet that was the year he got the second ring. So I don't think simply getting the ring should necessarily boost your case, but being an integral part of the reason you won the ring should. So Eli Manning's two rings, whether it was in the Super Bowl or whether it was that 11 season where he played in the face of pressure to an absurd level on the run, like he was an integral part on bringing home those Super Bowl championships. That, I think, should help your case a lot. But that is his only case. That's his problem. To circle back to Daniel Jones real quick. Yeah. I do think that the Hall Giants. Not yet. Okay. Preseason Hall of Fame, though, like he's uh-huh. on pace. If he keeps completing like 85% of his passes. That'll help. Yeah. Um, by the way, his, his negative plays in the preseason, those fumbles, fumbles. He, had two bad, he had one fumble that was a strip sack, but two bad ones that he could have avoided. we got to keep an eye on that. But I do think the Giants went to great lengths to get an Eli type of clone, which was a guy with similar demeanor. I, this is where I'll give Eli credit. Similar demeanor, like he's got that aw shucks, like I can't, you know, he just got, he um, handled New York extremely well for all the criticism that you have to take. But he also, once he won that first Super Bowl, it's like kind of kind of earned a free pass for a while but they yeah. tried to duplicate that with daniel jones a similar type of just you know laid back personality he handles the pressure well i mean that could go a long way for him okay trying to skew positive here I, I like it yeah this is how you this is how you get your gm job right you put that kind of thing on tape i am able to skew positive about whatever oh wait till i take over the giants you and i'm just telling there. you how great daniel jones is. i would love to hear you skew positive about the jets with luke falk at quarterback Falk had a good game. <laughs> Falk had a good game. Let me give a little behind-the-scenes action in the QB grading chat. Okay. We had some people. Luke Falk looked like he was trying to heave a deep ball. Yeah, and it was like 12 yards under thrown. I think it's it still was completed. I think it was on purpose. I was giving him credit. We gave him credit enough saying we don't think he, he knows he can't throw the ball over 40 yards. So he did leave it short and along the sideline. Yeah. And it was... But like you, when you see a, like a back shoulder throw, has zip on it. Is Luke it, Falk floated one short into the sideline, and it did get to where it needs to go. You think for that's completion. just a case of when you have that arm, 
it's always going to look like that. Like as long, so at that point, you understand that I'm not going to be able to overthrow the guy. So I just, when I miss, it needs to be to the sideline. Therefore, it's back shoulder, and we can still save it. But this. there's skill in that, and that's right. smart. But like at Washington State, I don't think I ever saw him attempt a deep pass that wasn't underthrow. Yeah, he had like some Not once in his life have I seen him put a ball over a guy's shoulder in stride that hits him like this as it's coming down. It's yeah. always forced that guy to t- at least turn around and wait for the ball to land on him. And at worst, you know, I have to fight back through the guy that he just beat to come back to get it. So as much as it might, like, it, he might have developed the ability to turn that into an intentional back shoulder throw, which is I've got one-on-one coverage on the outside. I'm going to heave it deep as if it was Tyreek Hill streaking down the field, only because it's me, it'll be badly underthrown. As long as I hit it to the sideline, it'll still be a back shoulder throw, and we're good. And he might have developed that, that adjustment to his game. Yeah. But I would still say that you know when, when he's winding up the cannon, he's still looking to try and get it out there. 10-plus yard throws. We're not Luke Fox, friend. It might be a struggle this weekend in New England when they're you know probably making the throw deep. Yeah. The, two, the top two quarterbacks in adjusted completion percentage right now in the NFL, Washington State's Luke Fox and, and Gardner Minshew. Buddy Minshew. And Fox, by, uh, by the way, his average depth of target was 4.8 yeah. the other day. It's like two yards shorter than the next closest guy. So just, yeah, that's where we are with all He's that. He's also... Like in, in, you know, they're breaking quarterbacks pretty rapidly these days up in, well, in the NFL. He's pretty spindly. Like he might. You know, that doesn't matter. Playing style matters. Right. Well, it does, but he's pretty spindly and I don't think particularly prone to saving himself from hits. He wasn't great. He had kind of that inter- that Joe Flacco internal hourglass right. going in the pocket. Like he's, he's the same. He's spindly in the same way. It's a problem for, um, for Cody Kessler. Right, who is also tiny and midget-like, and if you're going to be built like that, you need to be good at Kessler's saving yourself. No, thicker, dude. Kessler's built like me. No, we. And I thicker. sat next to him at the combine. The dude is tiny. Well, now you're just name dropping. Anyway, he he's so he's tiny and spindly, right? And his problem is he doesn't seem to be aware of that and just holds the ball forever in the pocket and gets himself killed. Luke Falk is the same. It's like inherently, it's not a problem if you play smartly. But if you play like your Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger, it's going to be an issue because you look yeah, Cam, tiny. Cam and Ben at least offset it by, uh, you know, zipping some big time throws out there every now and again. Yeah, that's not going to happen for Luke. Somebody speaking of Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Charlie in the comments suggests, Steve, the G-men need to trade for Corey Davis, right? Hmm. I mean, once if you put preseason Hall of Famer Daniel Jones with future Hall of Famer Corey Davis, great things can happen. They could. They I can't could. wait. I mean, Corey Davis, I, there's rumors that he's on the trading block, and I think, <laughs> you know, maybe... Uh, Why do you think that is for a future Hall of Famer? Wouldn't you want to keep one of those around? It's Marcus Mariota's fault. Yeah? Man, what if he went to New England and started catching 120 passes a year for the next 10 years next, from yeah, Brady? Next, next 15 years or so, he'd be right up there. From Brady. Yeah. That's what we need. Uh-huh. Corey Extends Davis. Extends Brady's career by another five years. Yeah. Anything yeah. else you want to touch on here on the bonus Wednesday pod? Uh, we said we might talk Jalen Ramsey, but there's a separate yes. YouTube video breaking down the whole Jalen Ramsey situation. So it we're going to have to push you to that. Okay. Yeah. I think this is good, right? This is a nice dipping our toe into the water of the bonus podcast mailbag territory. We've, so, got, we've got some segments. we got the Stevenson Award watch. We've done about two hours and 40 minutes of podcasting so far this week. That's not bad. And we still have to preview week three. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh-huh. The fans love it. Do you guys love it? Let we, us know. Multiple people. Multiple people have uh, thanked us for going long. I saw it's yeah. way better than last year, this guy said. That's Thank you for the long podcast. That's a small. small well, I didn't, say how, small I didn't say how many multiple. It could, oh, be, okay. it could be millions of multiples. Yeah, see, this guy, he knows. Corey Davis could be better if he doesn't have Mariota throwing him the ball. Mariota's well, holding him down. I mean, a lot of people could be better if they didn't have Mariota throwing him the ball, but he does. Corey yeah. Davis is a high-volume Imagine if Luke Falk was checking down to him 17 All times day. a game. Yeah. You get I mean, that he could catch a lot of passes if that He would get to that thousand receptions that it's I It's like predict. the like week one Jameson Crowder, where he caught like he got was it like twenty targets or something yeah, at put like Corey Davis 16 in that role. catches for about twelve yards. Put Corey Davis in that role. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else? NFL wise? Any don't... breaking news while we've been on here? <laughs> probably. What's happened in the world of the NFL while we've been talking? There's probably a lot of things have happened. This is a good podcasting. Let's look. Let's look for news. <laughs> I'm just going to read my Twitter timeline I to everyone. Even, you should because I can't get NFL to work. Great. 
We should probably wrap this up. But All right, let's wrap great. it up. That was great, guys. We appreciate everybody tuning in. It's the bonus podcast on a Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon previewing week three and uh, doing a little uh, – I gotta, it's my turn, Thursday night prediction. Yes. For the Jags-Titans game. We turned last week – We turned last week like a wash, right, like a push. Yeah. We're it like, wasn't – well, didn't nail it, didn't, didn't like, stink. Like the Arizona Cardinals, we're 0-1-1. Okay, yeah. How's that? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, your turn. New See system. if you can predict the future from the past. Back. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it. After the fact, I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 20.